Hello and welcome to Transparent Homeschooling. This is Carla Gibbons. Today on the show, I chat with Mackenzie Wilcox from Twigs and Sage. You can find her on Instagram. She also has a website. It's www.twigsandsage.org. She has an Etsy shop. She has a motherhood and wellness blog on her website. Her, Her Etsy shop has some DIY spa recipe guides. And I just, I found her on Instagram. I'm not even really sure how. I just saw that she was posting about some Christmas stuff that she was doing. And she called it Christmas schooling. And we are also Christmas schooling this month. So she just looked like somebody that would be fun to talk to. And she she has a lot of of neat ideas on her Instagram. So um, I just reached out and asked her if she would like to, to be a guest on the podcast. And she immediately said yes. And that's what I love so much about this homeschooling community is that we're all just kind of instant friends, especially this year with COVID and everything being online and on Zoom and a lot of people not doing their normal, you know, co-op things and and activities that they normally do. It's just, it's been a really interesting year, but it's been, it's been a year of new friends. And so I have really enjoyed that. And so I had her on and we just talked about her life in Rhode Island and with her three children how she started homeschooling, a lot of the things that she does. She has she gave me a lot of great ideas and some some good resources that I plan to check out really soon. So I think that you guys will enjoy listening to our chat and I will post in the show notes her website and her Instagram and some of the books and the resources and curriculum that she recommended because she recommended a lot of great things. So also You guys can find me at Transparent Homeschooling on Facebook or Instagram. And um, the best thing that you guys can do for me for Christmas, like the best Christmas present ever, is to just share my podcast with your friends. Just share it on social media or email it to people or text them or just whatever. But just can pick out the episodes you like the best and and share the artwork from it. Or you can just share the entire thing, um, just whatever you like or whatever you prefer, but just please share it. I've had so much great feedback. Also, if you're listening and you haven't told me yet, please let me know that you're listening because I'd love to hear from you guys. I have two more episodes after this one for this year, and then I'll be done for, for this year for my first year of podcasting. And I have some ideas for next year and some people that I want to reach out to, but I also want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what you want to hear. So what, what do you want to hear from me? Who do you want me to talk to? What kind of, just what kind of content do you guys want? So if you guys could just let me know, that would be awesome. I've had so much fun with this and I just can't wait to see what's in store for the future of transparent homeschooling. So I will stop blabbering on and I will let you guys hear my, my chat with Mackenzie. Hey, Mackenzie, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for being on here. I know it's kind of weird since we don't know each other at all, but I love that you just jumped right in and said, sure, I'll do it. Sounds fun. That's no, I'm so- I feel like that's yeah. what the homeschooling community is about. Everybody's just kind of friends when you homeschool, you know? Absolutely. Well, just talk a little bit about yourself and your family and your background. 
So my name is Mackenzie and I live in Rhode Island with my husband and our three children. We've been homeschooling for the last couple of years and we recently built our own home that we've been now living in for about a year. Um, we dreamed of having a yard that the kids could run around and play and maybe be like future homesteaders, but we haven't gotten quite there yet. <laughs> Yay, that's fun. How many acres do you have? We have five. That's so cool. And so you said you lived in a camper for a while at first. What was that like? Yeah, so when we built our home, we needed a place to stay because we sold the house we had been living in for the last four years. And we moved into a fifth wheel camper. It was parked at my mother-in-law's house. So we did have access to her house. However, we basically only had our camper <laughs> for our for our day to day. And it was our first year homeschooling. So trying to figure out how to do that and how to live in a camper that, you know, when we first moved into, it was too cold to have running water because the pipes would freeze. So we had, you know, very limited space, but we made it work and we were better for it. I feel like we learned a lot and simplifying our life for those nine months or so was actually really awesome for our family. That's really cool. So what are some of the struggles, like just the day-to-day -day struggles you faced as a homeschooler in a camper? Um, I didn't have a lot of space. So even when we would go from a craft to snack time, that kind of was all one spot. So yeah. oftentimes, filling drinks on our curriculum and such. Um, but it actually forced us to get outside a lot. And we ended up following the account on Instagram, a thousand hours outside. And that really encouraged us to spend a lot of time outside. That kind of became the focus of our homeschool. So oftentimes we would do school outside anyway, and then really only would go into the camper for snacks or bedtime. So it was really cool how it all ended up working out. But it was definitely a challenge getting used to the, um, the limited amount of space. Yeah, definitely. That would, that would be hard. That's really cool though. Um, so what was the, like, what season were you in? What was the weather like when you were outside a lot? March through November. So at least we did, we missed winter, but it started out March, April in Rhode Island can still be really cold. Um, and then by like October, it gets really cold again. So it was probably like one to two months of really cold at the beginning and one to two months of really cold at the end. Um, and then in the middle, it was really hot. There was actually one weekend that was over 100 degrees and it was too hot to be in the camper. We had to rent a hotel for two nights. Oh, no. <laughs> so we were really flexible that year. We just kind of had to do what we had to do. Wow. That's really cool though. Did you ever take it to travel and go other places? We never moved it from where we parked it. We didn't even have a truck that could move it. So literally the man that we bought it from dropped it off and then we've, pre we've, we've recently sold it and we had it delivered to the new location. So I would have loved to have traveled. That would have been a dream. But since we were physically building the house ourselves, my husband is in the industry. He couldn't really be away from the house that we were building. So I would have loved to have like road tripped while the house was being built by somebody else, but yeah. we had to stay so that my husband could actually work in the house. I know. I always think that would be so cool to do, but the people that do it, I just don't know how they make it work like with jobs and everything else, but that would be a lot of fun to do. So I bet it makes your house now though, like just, I bet it makes you and the kids, just everybody appreciate it that much more. Yeah. When we first moved in, it was like, what do we do with this space? <laughs> the house is already a lot bigger than any house we'd ever had previously, but then compared to a camper, all my kids were like scared to go upstairs by themselves. I'm like, guys, <laughs> you'll be okay. 
Um, but yeah, being part of it, like the kids have their handprints in the foundation and I don't know, like they colored on the walls before we like painted them. It's just really cool that they were here from the very start when we bought the land, it was just all trees and now our house is here. So they were here from the very beginning and it was just really cool to see them be a part of that. And that was part of their education journey. I mean, they learned yeah. so much from contractors and like all of that. It was just a really cool experience overall. Absolutely. That's some of the best life skills you can have. Definitely. That's great. Well, so talk about your homeschool journey. When did you start and what led you to that decision? So it was always on my heart to homeschool. When my daughter was about two, three years old, we did like a year of very simple, simple preschool with her at home. But the following year, she went to a private Christian school three days a week. And I was home with my other two those three days. Um, I didn't plan on sending her to private school long, long term, but I did have um, another family that was attending and they offered to carpool and it just seemed like a good situation. Her teacher was actually our pastor's wife and just the whole thing was a good experience, but my heart was like, I wanted to have her home. And I also was okay with her being away for me half days, three days a week, but I did not want her gone all day, every day for kindergarten. So we transitioned to homeschooling after that year. So she did her kindergarten year at home with me. So she had gone to preschool and then we did kindergarten together and really fell in love with it. And I mean, I really see ourselves doing that forever. Great. Yeah. Oh, we love it too. We absolutely love it. What would you say your style of homeschooling is and has it always been the same or has it changed since you started? I think it's a little bit of a mix of a, of a couple different things. I do really like a lot of Charlotte Mason's teachings, um, really like rich literature and spending a lot of time outside. I feel like we also have a little bit of like the Waldorf uh, principles, um, just having your children be a part of everything that I'm doing. So maybe that's a little bit Montessori as well. Like I consider housework and in working with me, learning life skills as part of their education, which I'd say is, is kind of Montessori. So I'd say we're like a huge mix. Um, I'm definitely not as laid back as an unschooler because I'm pretty type A, but I do leave room in our day for um, self-led learning. And um, if there's anything that interests my child, I don't want to have our schedule so rigorous that I don't leave room for flexibility. Um, so yeah, I'd say probably a kind of a combination um, I actually consider us wild and free too. I loved the book by Ainsley Arment, The Call of the Wild and Free. Mm -hmm. And um, that style in itself really um, resonated with us for sure. So explain, I haven't read that. I need to, because several, several people have recommended it. Explain a little bit of what the wild and free style is. So it's funny because she talks about how she's not an actual style, but because of people loving her beliefs so much, it's almost become one. I think what it is, is just encouraging you to figure out what's best for your family. So you could be wild and free and look different than another wild and free family. But I think it's all about um, maintaining your child's childhood for one thing, like you don't wanna rush them to grow up and also not seeing success in just how they do academically, but who they are as a person, um, how their character is, are they kind? Um, I think that is really all what Wild and Free embodies. And that is just so important to me because I never want my children to look back on their, their school experience and think, oh, school was so hard or so boring or not fun at all, especially while they're little. I want them to 
enjoy this, love it, think it's fun. The goal is to have them love learning so that they'll be lifetime learners. And that's definitely what Ainsley talks about in that book. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to get that. I feel the exact same way. So you love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you need to listen to the podcast I did last week about um, wild schooling and nature schooling. It was so good. I want to start a forest school here now. <laughs> I, I'm like, I've got five acres. I can totally do this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, you did mention that you're out in nature a lot. What does that look like? Like, do you take your curriculum out there or are you just letting them play or do you try to, to teach them while you're out in nature? Like, how does that look for you? So probably both. I'm really, really big into free play outside, like very undirected free play where I'm actually at a distance and I'm letting them do their thing. And we try to do that for several hours a day. Um, There's another book that I read, I think it was Balanced in Barefoot. And she talks about how it takes child like it takes a child like a minimum of 45 minutes to even get deeply involved in their play. So like a quick 15 minutes outside is not going to do it. They need time to really develop what they want to play, especially if they're playing with siblings or friends. Um, so I like to make sure they have plenty of um, free play. But then on a nice day or, you know, a day that we can just bundle up a little bit, we'll grab our curriculum and go outside and maybe have like a picnic lunch, but I'll do our read aloud outside or they'll color while I'm reading their lesson. Um, I also started a nature co-op and we meet on Fridays. So when we do that, I bring the curriculum with us. I do a quick lesson, maybe 15 minutes, and then the kids just go explore. And they are looking for whatever the nature topic was that day. If we were talking about maybe like fungi, they're looking for fungi. Or the week we learned about mini beasts, they were all out searching for caterpillars and praying mantises and stuff. But certainly if something else catches their attention I, I allow that, you know, I'm, we're not so, so strict that they have to stay on my plan. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. That's so great. It's so cold here, which I know it's even colder there, but talking to you and then talking to um, Nikki last week, I'm just like wishing for spring and summer so we can go Already. outside and do more things, which I mean, my kids still are outside, even when it's cold at first, they don't want to go outside. Cause they're like, it's too cold. I'm like, just, that's what coats are for. Put your coats on. And then yeah. once they're out there, they're having fun and they don't want to come back in, but it's just that initial like bundling up and getting out in the cold. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's really important to me that my kids get outside every day. And if it's like absolutely freezing, it's not going to last very long, but you're right. Once they get out there, like we have snow on the ground and it was 26 degrees this morning. It warmed up a little bit, but they were outside for like an hour and then went back out for another like 45 minutes. So about two hours today on a really, really freezing day. So that's a success to me. Absolutely. Yeah. See, it was not that cold here, but it was in the forties and my kids were like, I just wish we had snow and then it would be more fun, but they ended up still having a lot of fun. So cold to us is different than cold to you. We're kind of wimps down here in the South, but (laughs) (laughs) the warm weather, like you normally have. (laughs) Oh, let's talk about your curriculum, especially Charlotte Mason, because I do a little bit of Charlotte Mason too. So just kind of describe what curriculum you're using right now. And is that what you've always done? Um, so I actually wrote a blog about curriculum because I wanted to kind of try everything. And when we first started homeschooling, we joined a classical conversations co-op. And I quickly found that my children aren't really classical learners. Classical is more about um, feeding them lots of information without the expectation that they understand it. It's more about memorization at the early age, which my kids all are. And then you're unpacking all of that information and diving deeper into it later. So we found a curriculum that works really well for all 
of my children's learning style. It's called My Father's World. And for kindergarten especially, it was more unit study based. For example, as it taught the alphabet, there was a nature topic for each week. And so if we were learning about the letter B, for example, we were also learning about butterflies. So we would study butterflies, we would do butterfly crafts, you know, everything butterfly, read a lot of butterfly books. So that was really great for my kids because we got to take the whole week to dive deep into that subject. And it was more than just butterflies. I think we did, you know, Z for zebra and P for penguins and Sometimes it was nature and, and sometimes it wasn't, but it was really great for us. And so that's what we chose to use again this year, but now we're in first grade with my oldest. Okay. So when you said about classical conversations, we actually do a classical cur curriculum, but we do Memoria Press. And it sounds a lot like what you just described. So I don't think all of the classical curriculum is just memorization and not actually learning because I would not like that either. Yeah, maybe classical conversations versus the classical model. I actually really like classical conversations. The CD we actually still listen to. My kids are memorizing so much. They are memorizing history songs. We're going through the United States map right now, and they've learned how to skip count really well from those songs. So I think it was more the co-op um, environment was a little too rigorous for them, but doing it on our own in the flexibility of well is what works really well for us. So that's yeah. why we started the nature co-op because I of a co-op, just the, the particular co-op we were in wasn't the best fit. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. Ours is very, well, so Memoria Press can be very rigorous, but we kind of take more of an approach like what you said. And um, I don't check all the boxes or make them like stand up and do the memorization or anything like that, but we kind of <laughs> use it, um, use it as a guide and then kind of go our own path with it. You know, it sounds very similar to my father's world. I've heard a lot of good things about that. Do you use that That's for cool. all? Yeah, we've been. Yeah. So last year, my daughter was in kindergarten and my other two were preschoolers. If you could say that they were still really young, um, like one turning two and you know, four, but they're both very much involved in our whole school situation, even if they're not actually sitting down at the table um, doing a worksheet or something. They are on the floor playing and building with blocks while they're listening, and then they always surprise me at how much they retain. So I did decide to get them each a preschool curriculum from my father's world, just because I saw how ready and eager they were to learn. So now my son is three, and my second daughter is five, and my oldest is seven. And I definitely wouldn't tell everyone who has preschoolers to purchase a curriculum but in our situation it's what my children were longing for um, but because they're young again we're not checking all the boxes we don't even do it every day sometimes just joining in on our first grade activities are enough but I like to have the preschool activities on hand just because those are more age-appropriate for them and on the days that they really want something just for them I'll, I'll pull out that curriculum yeah, that's great. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old right now, so we're kind of the same. There are days when they want to do calendar and counting and things, and then days yeah. when they don't want to do any of it. And preschool is actually my favorite. I love like just all the songs and the crafts and sensory bins and stuff like that. But it's funny, my younger two would rather just play outside and do their own thing. And my older two, I used to have a preschool co-op in my house, and we would do all of those things, and I loved it. Wow. It's just funny how different they all are, you know. <laughs> it is. And you're right. Even from day to day, sometimes my daughter will want to do every single ounce of copy work available to her. That's not even hers. It's her older sister's. <laughs> and then there are other days, I'll ask her to do something simple, like draw a picture, and she does art all day long, and she'll look at me like, no, nah, I don't feel like it. <laughs> so it's funny. 
it's good to be flexible and have an expectation of, you know, their children and they're not necessarily going to, to do every single thing we put in front of them. But I think in, in just giving options, they're learning and we're also seeing what is the best way to teach them and maybe what interests them the most. Yeah. And that's what those early, like kind of getting to know your children. I know. I love the early years. My oldest is in fifth grade now and it's fun too, but we're really getting into some more academic things and which I, I mean, I do like it and I do like seeing how much she's learning and having some deeper conversations with her, but I just, I just love all like the playing and stuff in the younger years. I'm going to be so sad when I don't have preschoolers in the house anymore. (laughs) A curriculum that we've also used as a resource that you'd probably really like if you like playing is Let's Play School. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but Chelsea has become a good friend of mine and her curriculum is so, so sweet. She writes a preschool curriculum that's themed around popular children's books and adore it. So I really think that my two-year-old bloomed so much when we did that curriculum because it's all about the books. So you read the book, they get familiar with the characters, and then they get to play activities that they're learning through. So I, I vividly remember when we did the Big Red Barn book and that unit was so cute because he would pick up a cow and say moo and then he'd pick up the horse and neigh and it was just so precious but not too young for my older children either. Like as a family, we all just enjoy Let's Play School so, so much. So you print and prep it. So I don't always have it as part of our routine. It just depends on the time I have on my hands. But once it's printed and prepped, as long as I store it appropriately, I can just grab it whenever, you know, if we're studying something that I know I have a unit from her, I just grab it and we add it into our day. So we're doing some of her um, Christmas activities this month and that's been really fun. Yay, that's what I was about to talk to you about. So I actually reached out to you because of all the fun Christmas stuff you've been posting on Instagram. And we're doing what I'm calling Christmas schooling right now too. And I was, I've just been really enjoying seeing what all you guys have been doing. So just explain what you're doing for, for this season right now. So we decided to take December off from our regular school. So we put my father's world aside for now. And we purchased a curriculum from Treehouse Schoolhouse. And it's a beautiful curriculum. It's called A Connected Christmas. And it's basically, um, it's structured for the whole family to do together or for the homeschooling parent to do with their children. And it's all about connecting and slowing down for the Christmas season. So every day you and your children do a scripture reading together and a beautiful hands-on activity. There's a read aloud, uh, a poem, an art piece to study, and then on Fridays they get to replicate it. So it's just really beautiful. Um, Even if we do it to its fullest, it, it doesn't take more than a couple of hours. So we are truly slowing down, but still having the structure that we love. And my kids absolutely adore it. So we, we're really happy with what we chose. Awesome. So is it, is it something that's just like open and go where if somebody didn't want to put a lot of planning into it, they wouldn't have to, or do you have to do quite a bit to put it together? I think you could do whatever works for your family. I really like to go above and beyond with things. So I did make sure I ordered all the books from the book list, but I know a lot of families are just pulling the book up on YouTube that day and reading it through um, somebody narrating it on a YouTube video. So there's certainly flexibility. I will say most of the hands-on activities are done with materials that you would already probably have in a homeschool household. So it hasn't really required very much work on my part, but to make it a little bit more interesting for my kids. Um, I actually put 20 bags 
in um, our homeschool room that are either Christmas boxes or bags. And I labeled them one through 20 because it's 20 days of school. It's four days, five days a week or four, four weeks, five days a week. And um, so they get to open a box every day and it's that day's art supplies. So this morning they opened up um, yarn threading needles and they had to try to guess what we were doing while we were making orange garland. So I didn't put the oranges in the box, but I just give them a little clue and then they have to try to guess what we're doing. So that's been really fun too. Yes, I love that. Well, we might have to try that next year. So if somebody wanted to start that soon, would it be too late or could they go ahead and jump in? They could go ahead and jump in because they could certainly do um, more than one lesson a day because every single day of that week, you are reading the same poem, listening to the same song, looking at the same poetry, and you're just kind of building on it. So by Friday, the children have memorized it a little bit more, but you could certainly get through all of week one in a, a half a week or so. So yeah, definitely people could jump in now and they could even start on Monday and do the four weeks condensed into two weeks. It's really flexible. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. We're doing Christmas around the world right now, which I'm, I just kind of, I didn't buy a curriculum or anything. I'm just kind of putting it together based on things that I found online. There's so much free stuff online. We're just choosing a different country each day or each couple of days and learning um, about how they celebrate Christmas and listening to songs and doing crafts and cooking. Oh, and just things like that. But I'm also like, I'm doing what you're doing. Like I'm, I'm not doing most of our other subjects except for math, because if my oldest didn't do math for a month, she would forget how to multiply. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but um, oh, okay. we are still doing math and oh, okay. reading, but then everything else, I'm just kind of tying into it. So we're learning the history of each country and the geography of each country and do doing some science and some math with baking and stuff like that. So this is my favorite time of year. So I just love, like, I can't wait till December so we can like put everything else aside and just do Christmas stuff, you know? I know. I love it too. I'm in no rush for January to come. And we decided not to do math with my father's world because we keep track of how many days of school we've had with math. So basically we have a number of the day. So if I kept going with just math, it would be kind of weird because the rest of the subjects wouldn't keep up. So oh, we yeah. are math, but that's where Let's Play School comes in. She has a lot of math activities in her Christmas packs. So the one that we did today, for example, was a printed activity where you cut a string of lights and then the lights have numbers on them. And so my daughter had to find the numbers and put them in order and because she's in first grade I had her do it with skip counting by twos threes and fives so that was math for today so oh, that's okay. kind of how we're math and then we're doing reading by having her help read the um either the poem or the scripture from our our Christmas curriculum but we also did a fun Let's Play School activity today. It was bingo with CVC words and then bingo with different phonics rules, sounds and stuff like that. So yeah, okay. and it's all crisp. The, the bingo chips had ornaments on them. So it was cute. I'll have to look at that too. So you're doing Let's Play School and a connected Christmas, like kind of as a whole like Christmas unit? Yeah, um, I would say that a connected Christmas is our main curriculum for the Christmas season and let's play school we're using as a resource, um, mostly for our language arts and math. I mean, I feel like you can get away with um, not adding language arts because there's a lot of copy work in a connected Christmas curriculum, but we just add the let's play school because we love to. <laughs> okay, I'm excited to look at these. I'm gonna awesome. spend too much. I'm gonna spend too much money though talking to everybody on here because everybody gives me such great ideas. 
such progress. I have a lot so, of kids, so eventually we'll we'll get to a lot of it, right? <laughs> yeah. I did. I, you know, Let's Play School, I print it and I laminate it and I have it for years to come. And then with a connected Christmas, I three hole punched everything and put it in a binder and they only write on the copies that I made. So it's something we can use year after year. And I'm actually really excited to make it like a family tradition. Yeah, that's great. Are the, what, what are some other Christmas traditions that y'all do? We usually get our tree the day after Thanksgiving, but we were impatient this year. We broke our Last year, though, because we weren't in our house yet. So the day after Thanksgiving, we were still living in the camper. So we didn't get our tree until almost Christmas. So this year, we felt like we wanted to decorate early to make up for last year. But hopefully, we'll get back to that tradition by next year. Um, and then we usually like to pack up the kids and drive around and look at Christmas lights. And we definitely have um, a day where we get together with some cousins and decorate gingerbread and make gingerbread cookies and stuff. So yeah, I would say those are our our most popular Christmas traditions. Yeah. Has this year been different at all for you guys with COVID? Yes and no. We still have a lot of friends who we're able to get together with, but it's not really like the big groups of people like it usually is. Um, even Thanksgiving was smaller and I'm sure Christmas will be smaller as well, but I am really thankful that, um, you know, we, we have each other at least. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it would be hard. So we've been under quarantine for almost four weeks now because we actually had COVID right before Thanksgiving, <laughs> mm -hmm. which we're good now, but we're still like supposed to be in quarantine. So like the kids wow. don't spread it or anything, but it's actually been a lot of fun. Like when my eight-year-old prayed the other night, he thanked to God for all of this extra time we've had together to do a lot of fun oh. things that we don't normally do. And I was like, oh, I know when you look at the positive of a crazy year like this, it does help you get through it. And I have to say, when we had no choice but to disconnect and have no activities really for a while, it was kind of nice to just spend time as a family at home together. Yeah, yeah. So what is something that you personally have, have learned from your homeschooling journey? So I actually wrote a Instagram post about this a couple of months ago, but I feel like I've learned so much patience. It's funny because I've had a few friends tell me that they could never homeschool because they're not patient enough. But I think that if you can only be patient with your kids because you see them for a limited amount of time, that that's something that you can work on. Um, and it's, homeschooling definitely will help you work on that. <laughs> so everything's a learning experience. If I make a mistake, I just show my children that nobody's perfect and I show them the the correct way to handle that and you know ask them for for their forgiveness and apologize. And I just think that that's really helped me become um, a little bit more thoughtful and intentional about how I speak to them. And I'm really thankful for that. It's cool how by me teaching them, they've taught me and refined me and helped me be a better version of myself. Yes, I feel the exact same way. I feel like I'm probably learning more than, than they're learning. And I'm getting a second education that because I don't think mine was all that great. <laughs> Me neither. That's something I've talked to a friend about, that our education, it was not a homeschool education. So we're learning things for the first time, probably. And it's, it's amazing that um, there's so many things, even in first grade, that I'm like, wow, I never knew that. <laughs> I know. I'm constantly like, wow, that's fascinating. Let's, let's research that more. <laughs> yeah. That's a great experience. It really is. Yeah. What's your favorite subject to teach? I really enjoy teaching unit studies, so I guess that would fall into like the science study category. 
Um, I think I'm kind of like my kids. Like if we're learning about something, I just like to dive really deep in it. We actually recently started going through a mammals unit study and that's separate from the curriculums I've talked about, but we're, we paused right now. But when we talked about giraffes for that unit, it was just like, we all fell in love with giraffes. Like yeah. you just think, oh, it eats leaves. You know, we don't really know much more about it, but um, I think that that's probably my favorite because I see the amazing design in everything and I'm, wow, God so perfectly designed that to work like that. And that's amazing. So I have to say that's probably my favorite. Yeah. I'm actually talking to somebody on Wednesday only about unit studies. Like that's her big thing that she does. So we're going to, we're going to really dive into that. So that's exciting. I like to do a lot of that too. I feel like I'm just all over the place. I want to do all the curriculum and all the different things. And it's actually kind of overwhelming sometimes. There's so much out there. Oh, I'm overwhelmed too. I think I had four or five curriculums last year (laughs) and it's hard because I'm trying to um, encourage people in in my Instagram space to simplify and not do all the things while I'm doing all the things. And (laughs) you know, it doesn't work, but because of trying a bunch of different curriculums, I'm able to take what I like from each and then I'm able to at least help people narrow down their choices And we have pulled a lot of resources from full curriculums and just use them as we can. And that's actually worked out really well because I feel like it's a good balance between, okay, we want to use this, this, and this, but we don't have to use all of it. We can just use a little bit. Really, it's like what we want for language arts and math. I want to just stick with that so that we're consistent. But I get overwhelmed with wanting to do science from this place and history from that place. But Next year, we're actually using a lot of resources we already have, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna purchase a full curriculum for next year because I think I have so many things that I can just use for next year that we already own. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I I used to be really overwhelmed with all of that, and I was trying out so many different things, and then I finally found Memorial Press. So we use that for our core subjects, but we have plenty of extra room and space to just, um, if we are learning about giraffes or polar bears or Madagascar or something like that. We can really like pull from other resources because I have a ton of other resources. And so we can dive deeper into that. Yeah, it's definitely, especially when we go, I don't know if you, if you have like a, a conference every year, but whenever we go to the conference every year and see all of the shining curriculum everywhere, it's, it's fun, but it's overwhelming. I don't think we have one in my small state, but I don't even think I dare go. Even if there <laughs> Well, you really use it as like a mom's, a mom's weekend out, you know, <laughs> it's so fun. The things that we look forward to at this yeah. point in our life. <laughs> I know. Right. Sorry. I'm trying to like regroup for a minute because <laughs> I keep hearing my kids and my dog back there. Um, no worries. So, okay. So we talked about like what you really like to teach. Is there anything that you like just want to get to more often, but you have trouble finding the time for? Let me think about that for a minute. I don't know if there's necessarily a subject that I want to get to that we don't always have the time for, but I do struggle with whether or not I let my kids keep playing or whether we get school done for the day. I'm a big believer that play is learning and that play is the work of a child. Like I'm all about that, but that balance between, okay, just play all day, every day and don't ever do academics or let's try to do some of our academics in between play. Um, you know, play a little bit in the morning and then we start school and then go play. So 
basically the way that our schedule is set up is we do our devotionals at breakfast time. So I feel successful, even if that's all we end up doing, because to me, that's the most important thing. So after breakfast, that's when they have their household responsibilities. That's also just as important to me as academics. From there, I give them a little bit of playtime, maybe like half an hour, 45 minutes. Then I say, okay, it's time for school. I usually give them something to use with their hands, Play-Doh or blocks or anything that kind of keeps them sitting. And that's when I actually read the lesson. From there, we usually get the lesson done and then we'll take a break for snack or lunch, depending on what time it is. I do math last, but not because neither of us like it. Math is actually my daughter's favorite subject. We just don't always get to it because I schedule it in the afternoon and it's really hit or miss. There are some days that math happens and there are some days that it doesn't. So if that answers your question in a roundabout yes. way. Yes. Well, yours are still so young too. So it's not like you even really have to get to a lot of the things right now, you know? Yeah. I never want to put the pressure on either of us to complete everything I have as a goal for the day. That's all it is. It's a goal. And we do the right. same thing. So if there's a day we don't get to our mammal study, for example, we can just pick it up the next day. Yeah. I was doing a schedule for a while where we wouldn't try to do everything every day. We would do our core subjects every day, but then all the extras we would kind of just follow in a loop schedule. And we have seasons of that working. And then we have seasons of we just do whatever we feel like that day. <laughs> yes. We started out so structured this year because we didn't have all the extra activities that we normally have like last year we had something out of the house almost every day and this year yeah. we didn't have that except for our co-op and so I was like okay we're going to do a schedule and we're going to get so much done and we did follow it for a while and it actually I mean we enjoyed it but I'm just I don't know I really like them playing in the morning and I I like to just you know have a slow morning and drink my coffee so now we're kind of back to like more of a, a go with the flow attitude towards it but yeah I think that's okay to have different seasons even in one year or even in one month or one week you know <laughs> yeah do you feel like you're more of a morning person like what do you consider a late start or what is your normal start time generally I am more of a morning person this past month with so I got I got COVID first and I've been so tired since then so I've actually like my kids will get up and I'll just kind of stay in bed and um <laughs> But normally I would say we're, I mean, we're all up pretty early, like by seven o'clock. My little ones are usually up before six o'clock, but they'll, they'll just go play until everybody's up. And so we'll do the same thing. Like we'll do a devotional while we eat breakfast, but that, that can be at eight o'clock or at nine o'clock. Like it doesn't really matter. I think today we started school around nine 30 last week. There was a couple of days where we started at like 10 or 11. So it really just depends. When we started out very scheduled this year, I, I had on my schedule every day, we're starting at eight o'clock, we're eating breakfast and having devotional. And then at 8.30, we're doing math. I schedule math first because my 10 year old doesn't like math. And um, I just have realized we have to get that out of the way. I say, I shouldn't say out of the way, but you know, it kind yeah. of is. <laughs> so plus she's in fifth grade. So it's a lot harder now. Like she's, she's doing fractions and stuff. So we do math first because if we don't, then we'll have trouble getting to it. But other than that, now I'm just kind of, you know, whatever we feel like doing, whatever we want to do, we kind of know, we have, we kind of know now what subjects we're going to have to get to each week. And so I kind of let them decide what subjects they want to do next. And then when my younger two are napping, we do a lot of like the subjects where we have a lot of discussion. Like today we did, um, we did Bible and we did 
our fallacy detective while the little ones were sleeping so we could really just sit and talk and not have a lot of distractions. And that was my favorite part of the day, honestly, just being able to, to really talk to them and listen to them and answer their questions and dive deep into a lot of, a lot of the things that they were asking. So, so if you could go back to the beginning of your homeschool journey, would you change anything? I would. I definitely, um, I tried to be really rigorous at first. I just thought that they needed to sit down and do hours of work every day. I was kind of just comparing ourselves to a public school model and I went to public school. So I just thought, okay, if, if I was at school for seven or eight hours, I would think that that's at least four hours of work at home. Yeah. That work out, you know, the fighting and the whining. And I realized so fast that it was totally normal that they were resisting and, and not wanting to do what I was putting in front of them because it was way too much for their age. So I would definitely go back and change that. I wish that I knew how important play was, reading aloud was, playing outside. It didn't take long to figure that out, only a couple of months. But those, those like first couple of weeks were like really stressful. And I definitely wondered if, if I was going to be able to do it. Yes. Well, I think that's so common too. I don't remember if you said, what did you do before you were a homeschooler or before you were a mom? Um, I went to a high school where I graduated with my cosmetology license. So I was a cosmetologist until I had my second daughter. I had started photography as well. So I ended up stopping my hairdressing and I pursued photography more. I just couldn't have two kids, two careers. It was too much. Photography has been um, my career for the last seven years, and I do it part-time now as, as much as um, it used to be full-time now with three kids and homeschooling them and COVID. This year looked really different. Um, it's more part-time now, but it's really flexible. I'm, I'm working mostly on the weekends, and I'm able to edit once the kids go to bed at night, so it's great, and my kids actually have learned a lot about photography from that. I let my daughter use one of my cameras, and she's actually really amazing at it. She's even come to a couple of my photo shoots and she'll help me get the babies to laugh or she'll even Aww. take some of the pictures. It's really that's, cute. So awesome. I think though, like to go back to what we were just talking about as homeschoolers, especially if we were just working and then went into this, it's hard to, to go from having such a schedule and feeling like you have to, to do so much in a day to homeschooling a preschooler or kindergartner who really doesn't who really doesn't need to sit in a desk and do that much in one day, you know? Yeah. So it's so easy. I think we all do that, but um, it sounds like you're doing, you're doing a great job. I love hearing about, about all that you're doing and seeing all your stuff on Instagram. What were some of the like fears that you had in the beginning? I was nervous about teaching my children to read. I don't know. That seemed so daunting, which it, is. it has also, that was, that was totally wrong. And then I also just felt like maybe I wasn't going to do enough. I also just felt like, well, I've never been in anybody else's homeschool environment. What if I'm not doing it right? What if homeschool is great, but I don't know how to do it. So I actually went over a friend's house when we were really new homeschoolers. And I just kind of was like a fly on the wall in her homeschool classroom for the day. And her daughter, who was also in kindergarten, pretty much just played with Barbies while her mom like read her books. And I was like, okay, well, and this is a mom I like super, super look up to admire. And I was like, well, if that's what she considers kindergarten, then why am I doubting myself? Exactly. Um, so yeah, I just, um, I learned so much from that and that helped 
me not be fearful and helped me feel like, oh, okay, we can, we can do this. I just think when you, when you weren't homeschooled yourself, you don't really know what that environment looks like exactly. and how do you differentiate life and school. But I also learned that you don't like, I really feel now that school is part of life and life's part of school. And like, I don't know, I, I always call us having our life be life school because we're learning everywhere we go and everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, I think they're learning so much more being out just with their mom, you know, being out with you doing things than they would be in a classroom with 20 other kids their age, you know, at a desk all day long. So definitely. So what, what's some advice or encouragement that you would give to new homeschoolers? I think that if, if someone's new to homeschooling, they should really try to take a good part of their first year to just get to know their homeschool style, get to know their children and maybe try one or two curriculums, but I don't even know if they would need to start with a curriculum. I think it would be more important to get a good devotional, spend a lot of time in nature, spend a lot of time doing arts and crafts. Even if your children are older, encourage them to draw or sculpt clay. I just think that spending that time together as a family and working on their character first is huge and the academics can come after. So whether you're starting with a preschooler or a high schooler, I think that the first year should be really, really low key and, and so much more about building relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on here. I hear my kids and I feel like they're about to like knock down the door in here. That's why I keep like <laughs> looking over my shoulder, but they're probably ready for dinner. But thank you so much for being on here and for agreeing when you don't even know me or probably hadn't even heard my podcast. That's, um, I just love our homeschool community on Instagram. No, thank you so much for having me. I mean, it was honestly uh, my pleasure to be here. And I was very excited when you reached out. So I thank you as well. And I'm excited that we've connected. And, and now I feel like we are friends. Her phone cut off at the end. She said her phone died. So she, um, she says bye to everybody to find her at Twigs and Sage on Instagram and go to her website and read her blog. She has lots of great stuff on there. But thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you guys will continue to listen. I have another interview that I am editing right now and it will be out by the end of this week. And it is with someone talking about unit studies. We go really deep into unit studies. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that episode. And then after that, I'll have one more for 2020. And um, just thank you guys so much for listening and continue to listen and just share with your friends. And bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Transparent Homeschooling. (music) 